we don't miss this, this beautiful, uncomfortable meeting of everybody in the room at the same time. We don't want, we don't want to suggest that this is uh, anything other than authentic. Uh, welcome to the Fallout Podcast, episode 36, I think, aka he's up there now listening to us. I know he is. He's not. It's a fall diversity, all 525 songs in an, an accoutrement of illustrious menace, chronically riddled into four trails. Baines Paulet, Schofield, Bush, Pulu, currently in round one of the jaunt where we'll endorse indeterminably, indeterminably. Tonight, no Christmas for John Keys against In My Area, the war against intelligence versus Dr. Faust's anecdotes and anti anti Antidote, anecdotes, anecdotes and antidotes in B-sharp versus City Dweller, green-eyed local man against Scenario. You're doing very well, Brendan, very, very well. (laughs) Thanks. Joined as always by Mr. Pippington Beard, former crow and now master magician, performing his magic in a comedic style that brings joy, wonder and laughter. How are you today, Phil? Well, I'm I'm a bit puzzled, Brendan. I'm trying to work out what the X in Christmas is is all about. So I'm I'm just wondering if if we'll find that out at any point. Helen's never been my strong point. Lord Sage Temple, the bridge becomes the crossing in a twirling mosaic of liquid pulsating throbbing sounds and textures indeed it does brendan and i'm just eyeing up the cupboard with the cognac in it even though it's eight o'clock in the morning the pemerton walker miami werewolf and curling aficionado yeah i'm, I'm doing well it's less o'clock it's it's fun o'clock because we're doing the podcast yeah you had a few tim three hanging out with the unbaptized and virtuous pagans who eternally grieve because they must live without hope of god's grace we don't know how he's doing he's surprising the chipper given the circumstances and myself tree being it's the host, fleas, ticks, worms, and mites. But joined fantastically by Hiram and Bob from the Puritan's Guide to Fall Songs Guide, the best fall podcast on the internet. Ooh. And uh, statistically twice That's as popular as ours. How, uh, how are you guys? Maybe. Do we have those numbers handy? Can we, can we prove that out? I don't think so. Here, sir. Bring that shit up, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm just yeah. sitting here marveling joyfully at Alistair's mummy's t-shirt, and I think he's got a Chris Morris poster behind him. Yeah, That's give straight. a thumbs up. <laughs> I'm in good company yeah. already, I can tell. So Alistair oh, fired to his house and burned him down, <laughs> and, and he, he's uh, taking advantage of this to, um, <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that while the insurance man's listening now, but... Oh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most yeah, well, popular fall podcast for uh, insurance adjusters. It's true. Exactly. Like, I, I almost set fire to the upstairs in my house. I need to do the downstairs next. Then. That's nice. <laughs> Hi, Rim. You want to tell us a bit about uh, your fall journey? Are you a, a big uh, fan or a medium-sized fan? Um, fan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say medium to big. <laughs> I, I think I came to him a little later than most people. It was like the early 90s. The reason I thought even about doing a podcast about the fall was because I, I come back to the fall and uh, Marky Smith a lot, like at least a few times a year. Even if I'm off searching out new music, I always come back to the fall. So I think that that's mainly where I stand. So some people would call me a poser, probably. I would probably call me that. But, you know, uh, I listen to him quite a bit and, and have learned a lot about them so there you go <laughs> fair enough sticks and stones isn't it you know people can say exactly. what they want yeah <laughs> and how about yourself Bob I call Hiram a poser all the time but for much different reasons <laughs> uh, my as introduction well you as well I should my introduction to the fall I've uh, told this story I think a couple of times in the podcast I remember I got a CD player for Christmas for the first time and uh, my brother was over visiting and brought along a CD copy perverted by language and played that for me and hearing eat yourself fit 
Twitter for the first time uh, just set me off completely. Just I'd never heard, heard anything like that and became an instant fan. And yeah, I would call myself a big fan. Of it. I followed their career up until uh, the passing of Hare Smith and got to see them live a couple times, which is wonderful memories. So and happy to be on a podcast with Hiram talking about the fall whenever we get to record stuff, which is <laughs> fairly frequently. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool one. I was, I was happy to, that you allowed me to come on for that one episode. It was a lot of fun and it's a different format. You kind of talk about a single song usually. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't had a listen, dear listeners, please go check it out. I'll put the link in there. Without further ado, let's move on to the first showdown of the evening, which is No Xmas for John Quez versus In My Area. Am I saying that right? Close enough. <laughs> I always called it John Quays, even after hearing what he says. What a start. Pip, as is customary in these events, you are first. What a tune. What a tune. It's, I'm not a huge fan, as I always say, we have something off uh, Live at the Witch Trials of that album, but this is an absolute stonker of a tune, isn't it? What it made me think of this week is how many of the songs on that first album are surprisingly slow tempo or, or just, just a little bit slower than you would normally expect from a debut album. This one isn't, though. This one, they just come out the gate rocking right from the off it's a, it's a real energetic song I love the moronic riff all the way through it although it, it changes slightly for the chorus it's that in tone but the uh, 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 it's just incessant all the way through brilliant never gets boring yeah and I think it's a real sign of things to come and, and my, my highlight of the of the song is probably that scream that he does the uh, the tell me why scream which is just absolutely amazing Alistair what's this one do for you? Yeah, I don't really like it. Clearly, say you know, John must have been a Satanist, as discussed previously on the podcast. You know, the the most marginalised subsection of society when it comes down to Christmas, all by Satanists. But yeah, poor old John, really annoying guitar riff and sound, and it's really pushing the punk thing. I think in the way that kind of like when uh, Lydon left, well, Sex Pistols kind of imploded, and he went on to do something considerably better in Pill. He's got that kind of sound to it, you know, like the chorus of guitar, that kind of thing that you don't really expect but yeah they're really sort of like quick intense beats with you know like the fast fills really really annoying 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 stuff it's, it's just it's marvellous and the squealing I love the, the voice breaking thing tell me pretty good uh, Hiram how about this one for you I apologise but I've never really liked this song and I don't know why <laughs> I know burn him I know <laughs> 
I mean, it's, no, it's a fine song. It's just with everything else that's on that first album or recorded around that time, it's just not one of the ones that ever stands out for me. It just becomes one of the ones where I'm just like, oh, it does show up. It's fine. But I usually skip it if I'm listening to that album. So I, I'm kind of down on this song. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> and I, did, and I know. I wish I wish it was more annoying <laughs> and not as repetitive. That was that idea of the whole era, I think. So there you go. That's my 30 cents on it. Fair enough. <laughs> Ezra, how about you? Is it tickling your fancy? It's interminable, incessant, incorrigible, irritating, <laughs> antagonizing, nasty stuff. And yeah, I do quite like it. I think that in some ways it's kind of a template for stuff that they would do later. I'm thinking of tracks like uh, Roush Rumble or Totally Wired. And I feel like they did it better with those tracks. But with this track, the thing that sells it for me is, as has been stated, the vocal performance that, tell me why! Um, that was good. You win, you win. You know, it's, it's a fantastic, possessed performance. And yeah, the lyrics are pretty good. He thinks he is more interesting than the world, but buying cigs puts him in a whirl. A packet of 355s, 355, a packet of those over there, and 20 special offer cigars found talking to the cig machine. And later on, he spits in the sky, it falls in his eye, and then he gets to sit in talking to his kitten who is Frankie Lyman and that's actually just something I wrote that's not the lyrics <laughs> Frankie Lyman was a kind of teenage pop pop throb heart pop star who died of a heroin overdose at the age of 25 so he's only the junkie that Pete Doherty could have been <laughs> uh, so yeah it's, it's pretty bad um, Bob how about this one which side of the fence are you coming down on I am heartily a fan of this one uh, and we'll be talking with Hiram Air about his feelings about this. But yeah, I, I love this this album, especially in this era, because it was the feeling of a bunch of people with really dodgy equipment having to play music no matter what. You know, how crap their equipment was and how crap the record sounds and how crap it's going to come together. They had to get this out and it, it, it feels that urgency really comes through with this. And I think especially the keyboard riff in this one that really gets me. It's like this really chintzy sounding keyboard that runs through so much of Live at the Witch Trials. And uh, yeah, that gets me every time. I'm a fan. Beautiful. So I'm usually a fan of the lyrics. Yeah, the lyrics on this are a bit on the nose. The junkie bore thing, it doesn't quite do it for me. And I was saying to Phil, somehow I didn't get the pun for several years when I first heard it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously wasn't paying a lot of attention. It took me a while too. <laughs> but musically, I love it. And um, yeah, Carburn's all over the place with those toms and things that Phil Collins may have stolen. The <laughs> <laughs> he was watching uh, wonky riff wonky breakdown and the greatest squeal in history maybe all of the the king wins list 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 reading about it you know we always uh, steal everything off the annotated fall and uh, somebody's done uh, their homework on trying to find out who John Keyes was and there was apparently John Key in a band with Carl Burns and Martin Brammer at one time and might have gone out with Smithy's sister so he could have actually been based on a real person yes Frank and rest in peace. I was just reminded of at the beginning of Raw by Eddie Murphy where the little girl sings uh, Why Do Fools Fall in Love and then Eddie Murphy comes in and tells a joke about the, the monkey sh shitting on the lion. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's 
not really connected in any way. And then there's the bit on Total's turns where he shouts in the middle of it, fucking put the monitors up. Will you fucking get it together instead of showing off? And he's like berating the band on stage and uh, good times. What does Tim 3 think of this song? I shall find out for you. I was just actually looking at Splodgeness of Bones. You know that song, two parts louder and a packet of crisps, please. Which order that came in, that was before or after that song. It must be after the only forms. Okay, so Tim has put No Christmas, maybe the best early fall song. Just brutal and bludgeoning. Sounds super hard and doesn't let up. Love the Peel version too. I can't imagine what it would have been like to hear this live in the early days. Superb Peel version. That's great. It's good stuff. Next up against In My Area, which was the B-side to Roush Rumble, and eventually ended up on, I think, a version of Dragnet. Let's have a listen to this one. in my area the Marsha Schofield in it like uh, the Marsha was alright I really do quite like this you've gone into the yummy fur pavement thing before now country teasers have been mentioned on several occasions it's that kind of influence that has come from this kind of fall type song and I love it the plinky plonk keys lovely kind of generic riff though uh, and it reminds me of two kids TV programs that I remember from back in the 1980s I don't think our American cousins will be able to kind of like get them why but Vicky the Viking and Moss Shot it's that kind of effort. Do 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 it's all the stuff they should teach children about it goes into a fair date and I'd, I'd love to have heard like the full version and that's all I've got to say right on Hiram how about this one does it do it for you yeah actually, I like this one a lot I like the interplay between the two guitars also today it dawned on me that when the keyboard comes in it sounds a lot like a pram song with uh, Marky Smith singing over the top I think the, the lyrics were pretty great I mean just the first bit where the dwarf plays pool to prove his height people play games when they lose in life I, I just thought that was pretty great you know just little things like that uh the madness in my area obviously partially about hanging out during the song or wherever the character is but also you know he's talking about mccarthy and he's hitler comes up at some point or a mention of hitler according to the annotated fall so i I like this i like the general idea and feel of this song quite a bit actually so hitler comes up at some point is something you could probably apply to 90 (laughs) percent but yeah it is great i love that opening line ezra what do you think of this one yeah this song's a proper fucking jam i mean you have like this kind of fairly pot boilery velvety non-tuned guitar chug going on which is nice enough but the keyboard's just fucking 
can elevate it to great, greater plane of beauty. It sounds like a butterfly emerging from its pupa. It's splendid. And yeah, you know, we go from the kind of snarky shitting on my sister's boyfriend <laughs> lyrics of Christmas for Junkies to more interesting <laughs> stuff. Like the part I chose was understand time till I'm asked about it. Can't remember who I've sacked, just stupid faces looking bad. Politic comic fools in full bloom. McCarthy reincarnate soon. See the bones on the too late faces. The me generation, see the traces. Yeah, it's fucking great. It's really, really, really nice stuff. Just a perfect kind of heroin chug along for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning coming down. Bob, what about this one for you? Uh, I do like this song quite a bit. Um, the guitar riff, I feel like it's a little bit of uh, Baby Elephant Walk, that uh, Henry Mancini right. track from Avanti. Also, it feels like, you know, here's someone trying to play a great Eddie Cochran riff, but not quite having the chops to do it. So this is about as close as they're going to get is this simple plonky little thing, but it works so perfectly for the song. As far as the lyrics, like I I, I love when Marky Smith gets self-referential, which is quite often in his lyrics, the, the <laughs> bit about, you know, former friends suck in the fall, genuine white crap article. And I, I love that he refers to his band as white crap because that's such a perfect little, <laughs> little uh, yeah, a little self-deprecating dig. There's, I, it feels like he's going uh, down a Ginsburg path in that same area with just as to the madness in my area I've seen the birth of bad I've seen declining tracks I've seen the madness in my area so clearly a little bit of howl in there very good have you been talking to Phil he came up with the same theory a few days ago oh really yeah <laughs> it's strange as well because I've not minds. seen anybody else make a reference to that so it's you know great minds think alike and full of saying. yeah <laughs> Phil what, what do you think of this one I, I really like this I think you're a very bad man Brendan putting these two songs together because it's it's one of the few ones that I really like off Live at the Witch Trials against one off an album that I love. So it's uh, this is a tough choice for me, really. I, lo- I love the kind of Velvet Underground vibe that they get going with this. It, it strikes me as that kind of really lo-fi. I, I like the idea of an incompetent guitarist who can't muster a good Eddie Cochran riff, but uh, coming up with something more unique, I think that's that's a pretty good description of it. I, I love the outro guitar solo. It's it's like, again, if to, to make the same reference, it's like two uh, guitarists who can't quite manage an Eagles dueling guitar outro trying to try to come up with something that's lo-fi and punky instead and it's uh, I, I, I think it's really charming I think the lyrics are great uh, that whole beat thing got us reading uh, different Ginsburg poems this week so that's uh, it's all good stuff so yeah I, I really really like and did somebody said that uh, Yvonne Paul it's off-kilter piano provides an oral equivalent of madness and we were talking yeah, about the keyboard. she just, she just can't keep that melody or in time it's brilliant it's song. Com- completely aimless all the way through as it's just wandering around like a grandma that's got lost somewhere it's it's fantastic but it works perfectly so I got they, these guys give me a bit of hard time because I said I really like the song and what I was saying about uh, yummy fur country teasers and wonky stuff I definitely go and hire them but the, the kind of too pure stuff that kind of pram stuff and all that stuff I, I get that too um, but it made me think of like if Bob Pollard had written this I'm, I'm a guy by voice is fun and I noticed just the other day that you'd interviewed Chris who played on a lot of their records um, yeah. I started thinking like in Bob's hands he would have chopped out the middle two verses and he would have done the, the, the that great melody and then that guitar solo and it would have been about a minute and a half long and it would have been perfect <laughs> because it's 
it just goes on too long for me. I love everything about it, but I get to about a minute and a half in and I just want that solo to come in and then it, and then it fade out. But um, that's you just me. You're rippling, Brandon. I <laughs> know. I don't, I don't have a... That's one of the reasons why I love Guy by Voices because it's like they're every like 90 seconds, not four minutes usually. But that dwarf plays pool to prove his height. People play games when they lose in life is just... that's. I would just wonder, to, just want to get Smith's take on that through his life, whether that changed or whether whether he felt more of that as he got older and older. It's brutal. It's a brutal mm. takedown. Um, I love yeah. it. Not quite sure I'm McCarthy's reincarnating in this song, but, um, <laughs> but it's great. Uh, what does Tim think? So he's screamed from the abyss. Another classic with great lyrics and really funny, almost random sounding bleeps and bloops from the Snoopy keyboard. I love the naive solo bits and the dual track descending guitar line. It's not top of the class, but it's good. Interesting. And so we come to the, the first vote of the evening. Because there's seven of us, there oh. will be no fingers. I repeat, no fingers. <laughs> we, will not, we will not be a tight. So, well, there, there might be. The, you still pull some shit. So, um, Phil, which way are you going? Uh, I'm going with No Christmas for John Keys. Otherwise, I probably won't vote for anything off live at the Witch Trials. Um, Alistair? I was completely expecting Phil to play her No Christmas for John Keys, like for, on, on several levels. And you've surprised me, Phil, but, you know, uh, well done. I've never got um, any integrity like you. <laughs> in the back of the sofa at the moment, I think, man. But yeah, I'm, I'm going for a mayor, yeah. And I feel bad about it, Brendan. Good. You made me feel bad. Yeah, well, that's my uh, modus operandi, isn't it? Hiram, wh- where are you going? I think I got to go within my area. Yes. So- sorry to all the John Q's fans. All the John Q's. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> exactly. Bob? Uh, I'm putting in a vote for the Junkies. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Ezra? Yeah, despite the orgiastic squeak that throws the street into the sky on Junkies, I'm going with in my area. Ooh. Nice. I'm going with uh, John Keys. So it's coming out of Tim. And he's gone for No Christmas for John Keys. There we go. All right, so that takes us on to the War Against Intelligence uh, off shift work, 1991. Those cards ring out, Mr. Edge. All right. Ezra, what do you think of this one? Well, it's been an interesting playlist this week because, you know, when I first listened to it, there were a number of times when I found myself asking myself, what is this cat-handed bollocks nonsense that I'm <laughs> listening to? And then with some of those tracks, they, they kind of turned around on me and I got quite into them. And with this one, at first I was listening to it and I thought, well, oh, it's all right, I guess. But then I it just kind of faded in my favours. Like, it's got this 
risk. It's probably because it sounds a bit like the Levelers and a bit like U2. And it really sounds like they're going for a pop sound. And that's okay. You know, that's great. With the fall, it can be very great. But here, there's not much in the lyrics, ironically, considering it's about a war against intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I just feel like it could have been done better. I like it when he says, like, war versus intelligence. And probably he should have taken that as the running concept and written a song based around that. There's a bit more to get into there than there was here. Not not that great for me. I'll let him know next time I see him. I surely appreciate your uh, your feedback there, Ezra. Hiram, what about this one for you? <laughs> I kind of agree. Like this period is kind of verges somewhat in the a little too poppy sometimes. One, I like the, the sort of fiddle violin thing going on. Also, I just did, did anyone find out what that thing is going on throughout the song that's like da, 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 da. it sounds like somebody who had sung a guide vocal for Mark and then they just left it in of like made up words or something and so I, I really enjoyed that way more than I probably should have it's it's kind of a middling song I think I think also that it's making fun of Sean Ryder's dad somewhat and Sean Ryder kind of you know moved me into the I like it a little more territory because of my feelings about uh, Sean Ryder <laughs> Uh, yeah, that those backing vocals, if you call them that, it was very interesting. I like to be almost as loud as the vocals and all the way through the song. It was a, yeah. it's a strange choice. It, dev- it definitely sounded like somebody laid down a, like one of the musicians laid down a backing track or like a guide vocal for Mark to follow. And then Mark was just like, no, leave that in. And then kind of did his Mark thing. So it's what it, because they're not even really words. I tried to figure out if they were, it doesn't sound like it. Like kind of, but not really. So yeah, it's a little weird. You've got to be careful, I think, in the studio with Smith, because he'll take anything you do and use it against exactly. you. Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's when, what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. It was more of just like, oh, you want to do that, huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that's the lead vocal then, yeah. So, yeah, like when, yeah. They, when they were playing um, Spinal tap song right so now I'm going to rock you mm. and then he insisted they used it for athlete cure <laughs> like, right. like, okay be careful what you do um, exactly Bob what do you make of this one um, this is not a favorite of mine I think it works well in the context of the whole album shift work with the Dave Bush era of, of the fall is a very strange one where they're kind of doing their version of the Madchester sound but not quite getting it and there, there is some some charm in that but yeah this one just doesn't never really got me very much even though I, even though I like the whole album uh, this is never one that I'm just that really stuck out for me even though there were some great lyrics in here I mean as I'm sure everyone loves the the, the couplet of you think your haircut is distinguished when it's a blot on the English landscape which is just perfect very nice I think there's some nice percussion and the, the breakbeat works really well yeah it, yeah it just it's very 90s yeah and it's like yeah. I don't know if I'm far enough away from the 90s yet to be able to, <laughs> to appreciate this maybe in 20 years I'll be like you'll, okay I get you'll, it you'll feel more nostalgic for this era of the fall possibly yeah. and there's a couple of songs tonight with the long ringing out chords and that is for me it is a big red flag if I hear that in a, <laughs> in a song it's like because um, that for me is like that's that's rock that's the, the rock cliche that I can't really get over it um, they stuck out its golden horns and volunteered its essence hey mm. dude get your mental metal bones right out of here um, hey git in a league of mental <laughs> short ass. Um, 
And, and then he goes on in some interviews, apparently, about how they're telling bricklayers that they have to do a shitty job. And it's, it's, he's got a very interesting idea of whatever it's fighting against. He says at one point something along the lines of, like, forget the information and use your mind like it's a common sense kind of thing. But I don't know how much common sense Marky e. Smith actually had at times. So <laughs> I, I, I still need some persuading. I, I did like it, but it's it's mild fall. I'm suspicious yeah. of mild fall. What does Tim think? Oh, he has taken the view that this feels like a war against my intelligence, bland indie pop that goes on about plagiarists while sounding like a thousand other bands. Dross. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. And yourself, Philip? It's, yeah, it's very 90s, isn't it? I was reminded of a few weeks ago when we were talking about Hit the North as being that snapshot of, of Northern England in the 80s. And this is England in the 90s, isn't it? It, it really does smack of it. But it's not bad. I know it's not a bad song because of a song we've got later on in the playlist, actually, which I, which I would describe as bad, no spoilers. It is middle of the road. It's If it wasn't for that fiddle, which kind of keeps it interesting all the way through, despite my better judgment, and the, as Ezra's already said, it does make it sound a bit levelery, which is never a good sign. It would it would just be a bit too bland, a bit too kind of flat and, and not enough going on with it. It marks in sort of sneering form, isn't it, as well, which kind of keeps it interesting as well. And I did find the chorus really catchy. I did find myself singing it during the week when I was when I listened to the song about 14 times and um, to just see what I could squeeze out of that storm. Not the not the best effort, but surprise surprisingly catchy which I guess is what you want for a pop song isn't it? Aye aye and um, Alistair is this doing it for you? Well it's, it's one of the better ones off of the LP but it's still not plastic is it really but there is there, there is different kinds of intelligence like there's people who, who can be fucking aye. willing to good with his hands he's good with his hands Al it's in your bog which is really useful you know if, if something goes wrong with that and then being able to do a, a positive real support plan which again which would be helpful to somebody else the levels of intelligence that are sort of like transferable to different skills I think it maybe gets into a little bit of that but yeah but generally the song cack the yeah. intelligence you're displaying here Alistair is showing us some of those levels hi <laughs> of course let's just get the barrel <laughs> but this is the point in the evening chaps or morning where I forget who said what but I think everybody said something about this song so let's have a listen to Dr Faustus Ben Sinister <laughs> Fed in the film, well timed. 
Hiram, coming to you first. What do you think on Dr. Uh Faustus? I like everything on this album. I was just trying to remember, Bob, if we've covered this song. We did something off of this album, and then we talked about the title of the album, where it came from. I think that was it. I think we did US 80s, 90s at one point. Yeah. Was it Living Too Who knows? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, anyway. You think I listen to our own podcast? Come on. So, yeah, anyway, I like Dr. Faustus. I still have never understood the whole banana apple pear thing. Is that been never discussed in one of the books or anything because that's something that always still cracks okay. me up i reckon i know it, it reminds <laughs> me of uh, king's when jo- jolly green giants where they just like shake you know ass shock hearts and things like that you know <laughs> name a vegetable put it in a song so no i like this song a lot it's it's a really good song from the era you know one of the great ones off of that album but that's just me so there you go <laughs> all right it's a fine album uh, indeed ezra how about you for this gem? Yeah, this is a great song. I mean, alongside Shoulder Pads, I think it's the uh, highlight of the album for me. It's uh, a fantastic, this is from my notes, fantastic Weimar-era romance, cubist cupboards erupting in fecund showers of palm fronds, top hat Satanism. Yeah, I've got no real idea what it's about, apart from maybe Dr. Faustus, but the lyrics are also fantastic. Dr. Faustus, at the court of the Count, made fruit ex- Exotic, pleasure-licious, appear behind curtains in winter. Banana, apple, plum, Faustus, <laughs> exotic fruits made animals from sunny landscapes in the spare fast gardens. And later on, there's a blood silhouette through the ceiling sky. One of the things I always think about when I'm listening to this album is it does put me in mind a lot of the great German band Faust. With the lyrics and the, you know, naming of fruits, that's a very Faustian kind of escapade. And the way the music kind of switches from like this kind of rock thing into this weird kind of waltzy stuff with the tinkling keys. It's a fantastic piece of fucking surreal whatever it is. It's great. Right on. Bob, what about yourself? Yes, a huge fan of this album and this song. There aren't enough songs of people just, yeah, singing about uh, random bits of fruit throughout, (laughs) which I really appreciate. And I love the, the vocal dynamics in there. Marky e. Smith talked about this a bit where it's, you know, the backing vocals really take precedence in this rather than what he's singing where it's, it's kind of all fuzzed out and then, you know, Brix's stuff comes in very, very clearly. I really like that dynamic, which I think, uh, I don't know, at, at that period, I think says a lot about their creative relationship too. Yeah, I, I, I also think of the, the Faust thing as well, Ezra, and I know he was a fan of them, uh, the most the most of the stuff in the Krautrock era. So that, yeah, it's, it's very fitting. Nice, nice. Yeah, I really like the riff and I love mm. the effects on his his vocals. That beginning of the megaphone kind of era, one of the best uses of that. And and, and Bob, I totally agree. When Ricks comes in, it's almost like a, a duet. And, and that kind of didn't last for very long. We, I just watched an interview yesterday from about 1989 and you can see things are not quite, they're not quite as pleasant as maybe they were in, in 86. As well, you're saying that there's kind of like whether they're a guitar, whether you're playing playing the top end of the strings on the guitars there's a tinkling kind of thing that goes on all the way through I really I really like that stuff love the lyrics horseshoe splackling swallows hay cart cart horse uh, Danny we had on a while back who does a, a lot of good stuff on the Antated Fall apparently found the version of Faust that Smith was reading it's like a fairy tale and there's a lot of these kind of same lyrics in and he did his mangling thing it's uh, it's beautiful uh, interesting yeah. 
But yeah, the fruit thing for me, I can't, I can't get on board with that. <laughs> it's the one thing that just takes me out of it. I think is my always my problem with it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Cool. S- similar, I think. What's Tim think? He's not going to like that fruit thing. He has no time for shit like that. <laughs> A really weird one, totally disjointed. The drums sound like an intro to something that never kicks in. The bass line stands alone for most of the track, and then the chorus sounds totally disconnected. That said, it somehow works, and the top piano sounds in the back of the great. I find the shouting about fruits kind of funny, especially in the peel version. Exactly. Because of the fruit thing, right? Peel, probably he likes that kind of stuff. Fruit peel. Yeah. Fruit peel, banana skins. Probably, How about yeah. Phil Rigby? Does he think the fruit thing is good? Uh, do you know, I've listened to this song loads of times and never even noticed she was shouting different fruit all the way through it. That's so much attention I pay to the lyric. Being a, being a music first kind of guy. <clears throat> and I, I, I do like this. There's loads of really solid stuff going on with it. I think it's a really strong presence as a song. And I think the, the riffing is very simple and punchy. Um, and I think Brit is great all the way through it I, I love Smithy's kind of warning tone I never even thought about the first link to the band actually once I've listened to this because I, I just thought about the story with Mephistopheles and the uh, and the, the greedy sort of medieval count or duke or whatever he's supposed to be who, who does the deal and I, that was where I, I kind of interpreted the fruit thing from as in like he's got these exotic fruits during winter what is what kind of devilish magic is he up to to have these things I just love that whole on. That's a, that's the genre of stuff that kind of rings my bell. So uh, you know, anything with old Nick in it, and I, I think it's it's really catchy. Yeah, I love it. I'll buy your fruit theory, and it backs up from what Ezra was reading in the lyrics earlier. Still, it's not acceptable. This is what Bricks apparently had to say. This is from maybe the Ben Sinister reissue notes, but Bricks wasn't pleased about the lyrics Mez gave her to sing. Mark asked me to shout banana, strawberry, and exotic fruits. I cringe when I hear it. I hate having to say those stupid lyrics. Banana! As we know, the artist gets to choose, and so that means it's bad. Let's take a vote. Um, what about more? Ben, what Alistair? About oh, Alistair, what do you think about this song? Yeah, I like it. It's really nice. Um, Good. It, All right, let's take a vote. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not surprised. Right, I really loved like the like the dynamics between the vocals. Uh, so you got like the megaphony FX vocals from uh, Mr. Smith and the uh, Bricks is uh, back in. You know, for two beat like you know, I am the resurrection stone roses type shit, but miles better. Then it gets like really noisy. I get about so like three quarters of the way through it. Dead discordant, bloody brilliant, really intense. In German, is banana banana because Faust is fist, isn't it? Mm, it be fist banana. Bloody brilliant song, relentless. Very good indeed. Let's take a vote, Philip. Banana banana. All right, Hiram. Gonna go with Faust. Yeah. Good, Alistair. Banana. Good, Bob. Apple speeches, pumpkin pie. Sweet. Ezra. I've just got to shoehorn this in. People go to me, is that Faustus by Goethe or Faustus by Man? But I read it in a fairy tale book. Somebody gave me a copy of this Goethe book and the drawings of Faustus are the spitting image of me. But I couldn't cope with the book. Too hard, is what Marky Smith said about the song I'm voting for. Fair enough. And uh, it is a tricky one. And uh, I'm also going with Dr. Faustus. And Tim? I think he's good. I think he's Faustus. it. Yes. Good. It's a route. You can always speed up by uh, asking certain people not to give their opinion. That's, that's good for me. Um, next up, I know, I know. Anecdotes and Antidotes in B Sharp off the Marshall Suite, 1999. Come and shoot, that shoot is pursued, and the smoker is 
Right, so I would normally fade it out there, but I've, I've got to play a, a minute. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That, like, yeah. a, like a nightingale. Oh. <laughs> uh, Bob, I, I'm coming to you first. Bob, what do you make of this one? <laughs> oh, this song. Yeah, this was like, this was a different version of another fall song, right? Yeah, I'm looking here, Young Nev's. Young Nev, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I prefer that one, even though I'm not really that huge of a fan of this song. Um, though that moment that uh, we just played, that almost sells it for me. And as well, him sort of messing around with these like Marzy Dotes lyrics and a bit of the Marx Brothers in there as well. I kind of appreciate that. But yeah, this one, I don't know. The Marshall Suite was never a favorite album of mine. But uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm down on this one, unfortunately. Fair enough. The Marshall Suite is, is interesting. It has a lot of little curious things on it. This is maybe around the year where they started playing around with chopping things up and layering it without Mark being part of it because this is a piece of shit. But they took the, <laughs> they clearly took his lyrics and chopped it up and added basically the drums and the guitar from when the levee breaks. And that is the Young young Nev's version, um, which we kind of liked. We voted it through, but I don't know if it was up against anything particularly strong. But this is, yeah, very, very poor. <laughs> indeed, not possibly not the worst song this evening. Oh, no. But very poor indeed. <laughs> um, the Wawa does not help. Red flag. Exactly. But there is a line where it says, liberty is screwed, the sports teacher rules, the sports teacher rules, and so secondary modern British carry-on film. I don't know if that is a lyric or whether I just read that somewhere, but uh, it's funny. It's good, but that maybe is the only thing about this song that has anything. And uh, B Sharp's obviously a funny musical joke. It's like that Simpsons thing, maybe. Um, what does Tim make of this? Do you want to have a guess first before I uh, <laughs> like read it. it out? Pub rock version of a good song fronted by Vic Reeves in club singer mode made worse by someone's first auto war. Terrible stuff. Ottawa, yeah. So I have a friend who who used Ottawa, <laughs> and it's very hard to keep the Ottawa in time with the rest of the song. Um, Ottawa. <laughs> Phil, what do you make of this? Yeah, as soon as I hear Wawa on a fall track, I'm kind of like, I'm on, put on guard a little bit, really, as in, okay, it's it's one of those ideas where it's, this is, it's not working, this song, is it? What can we do? Stick some Wawa on it, <laughs> what happens? Uh, I'm not sure it adds anything of any value. It is a bit shitty pub rock. I did have a horrible moment of thinking we'd gone back to doing a solo mez uh, round and I was going to be here for about five days again, listening to about 30 songs. And I I did start giving up on the song up until a minute and six seconds into it with with that amazing falsetto that he just completely different to uh, to, to John Keyes. The... And I kind of fell in love with him again. Um, but it's other than that, there's not really much going on with this at all, is there? It's, when I was trying to put my finger on what the problem was, 
it sounds like a jam. The, the paying too much attention to just trying to do something that doesn't sound wrong rather than playing anything with any sort of direction about it. And I think that whilst we love Mark trying different things out, just sounding pissed out of his brains <laughs> does really work on this tune. The jam thing, it makes a lot of sense. I wrote that too. And also for Reformation, because they're new bands and they've not got a lot of time to put this stuff together and they're, they're just jamming stuff out and it really sounds like it the most generic shit um just makes it onto the record uh gotta take them all can't choose alistair how about this one um, it's not the best either of the four really is it and the, the, the jam dope thing it's like there's different between good jamming and bad jamming uh so you can send jam dope and it can still send good for white white light you know loads of stuff on that same jam dope but it sounded good. It like said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. It's a 12 bar again. Yeah, some guy, some guy used to have like three guitar lessons, like, you know, big fat Ted on drums, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and keyboard player, like, you know, doing, doing the best Frank side. But it's not brilliant. The lyrics remind me a little bit of the walking down the street kind of thing, which Brendan's mentioned. And I think he actually says, I'm walking down the street at some point on it. Uh, and you kind of like slagged it off as being like one of the worst kind of like things that you could do. Oh, I'm walking down the street, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that, I'm seeing the other. Uh, and he does it. <laughs> yeah, it's a heavy sending production. They're not like dribbling or soiling themselves or anything like so. It's all right. Fair enough. Aaron, what about this one? <laughs> so uh, the one thing I would say about this is B-Sharp. There's uh, an industrial film that was made by Herc Harvey, who worked in uh, this small town, well, college town that I used to live in, Lawrence, Kansas. It wasn't called B-Sharp, but it, that was like the catchphrase about like not getting your head caught in some factory equipment or something. Was That's about all I have to say about this song. And Herc Harvey also did uh, a Carnival of Souls, which is actually a really nice... Uh, low budget 50s oh, or amazing that's yeah, yeah, amazing. yeah. yeah. Nice. but other than that i got nothing on the song yeah i think i've actually only listened to this album like once or twice you know and usually skip as a matter of fact i didn't even hear the thing at a minute because i was skipping this through the song uh each time i listened to the playlist so i apologize now for that but yeah there you go <laughs> you probably paid more attention to the song than most members of the band did <laughs> probably <laughs> um I I'm not even sure that they were all there. It kind of just seems like they put on some weird Pro Tools-y kind of things on there or something, you know, like that yeah, weird yeah. clavier or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. That's the era, I think. So Julia Adams, so the band had imploded, right? And basically Julia Adamson was more or less putting this together from what I, she was kind of, uh -huh. and uh, some really nice stuff on there, but this is not one of those things. Um, I, I, that's the one with the olden money, right? Like the cover yeah. of, yeah, that's, nice. there you go. Ezra, you've not thrown in your tuppence on this yet, have you? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm. I'm excited at the news of that industrial film that you just mentioned. <laughs> like, to, like to see that very much. When it comes to this song, I can forgive a rung chord, a well-rung chord in rock. But if there's one thing I have trouble with, it's wah-wahs. There's only about three, or more accurately, two and a half bands that I'll allow to use a wah-wah in a rock context. 
and they would be the Stooges, the Jimi Hendrix experience, and maybe Sonic Youth. Uh, <laughs> with the fall, no. It's no, no. What about the bottle surface? They didn't really use much Wawa, did they? He was known to dabble. Um, it is up against City Dweller. Now, Phil, if you don't mind, maybe let, can you let me play this one? Go for it, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Very naughty. <laughs> So that was City Dweller by the fall. Um, <laughs> Phil, what do you think of that song? I like, I like the fact they got Jerry Sadowitz in the video. That's great video. Fun. Number one hit single in the UK. I don't know if you, if you chaps are familiar with this song, Hiram. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ebenezer Good. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, it wasn't a hit here by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, yeah, I knew the shaman. And oh, man. He's a good. He's a good. He's Ebenezer Good. Phil, can you play yeah. the actual fall song if you don't mind? <laughs> Does I'm Timothy kidding. think of this song? Blandly palatable dance fur that sound like the time period with some fun vocal stuff. One of the most listenable things on this record, but not like me on fire. I like the bit uh, around the halfway mark when everything kicks in. Tweet. Um, when he gets more sticks out. Exactly. Philip, what do you make of this one? It's not stuff we haven't heard before, is it? In terms of the approach to doing these kind of dancey tunes. It's a bit train-spotting soundtrack. It would fit in with that type of mood. The tape recorder thing sounds like a bit dumb before. It's a bit fall by numbers, isn't it? I don't think it's anything particularly inspired. Um, and I think it, it just kind of washes over me a little bit, this tune. There's there's nothing in it that grabs hold of me. It's, it kind of comes and goes. There's nothing offensive in it. But if it's a fall record that doesn't either offend me or get my blood boiling in somewhere, then it's, uh, you wonder what the point of it is, really. Very Enough, yeah. Alistair? Utah Saints on that guitar as well, which is also dangerous territory. I think, you know, you get a decent disco beat, repetitive synth, you know, riff with bass and drums going on. Production works quite well on it for me. And when they do get into the noise stuff, that's like, yeah, I'm engaged in this now. You know, they've been building up to it and then it's like, drop the bomb. As Phil said, like, the, the, the transport thing, that's, that's one of the things that I wrote down, which was like, be perfect for like, soundtracky stuff. And it, it'd, it'd gone great on Transpot you know some sort of like Shane Meadows film for the LP it's, it's, it's a pretty good one and it's it's one of those more like chillaxed Smith's moments where he's not ranting he's he's just like he's stepping 
back. He's observing. And it's a lot of fun. Great sweet. Hi, Rim. You know, this song kind of reminded me of like if they decided to redo um, LA or something uh, with just a synth instead of the kind of bass line, I guess. That's, I tend to agree. It just kind of washes over me and I listen to it. And, you know, and like they said, when it kicks in, it's great or it's good. I don't know. That's great. Like everything on the, on the middle class revolt album is like good, but seems like sort of if they experiment it's kind of a misstep uh in a way and that's kind of how i feel about this it's like it's good but it's it's just kind of like fall by numbers i think it was also mentioned i agree with that that happens a lot during this period if i'm I'm kind of meh about the whole thing uh, yeah uh, yeah right now i get you yeah those those four kind of records of shift work and infotainment scan middle class revolt and those kinds of they kind of dug themselves into a bit of a a bit of a hole that they couldn't really get out of i think Um, they tried but i'm not sure how hard they tried (laughs) (laughs) exactly um ezra what's uh, this one do for you yeah, for today's playlist, this has been the one which has gradually, incrementally piqued my interest the most. Like uh, the thing between cack-handed and avant-garde, because the keyboard, the synth sound is really disorientatingly high in the mix almost to the point where it sounds like it's distorting. And then the kind of, you know, the rhythm section, I suppose this is meant to be a danceable track, is really quite low. And then you've got this great vocal part where it sounds like Marky Smith recorded himself in a nightclub toilet having an argument with himself whilst the <laughs> shaman playing in the main room. Yeah, I, I, I actually really like this one. You know, like it's a terrible album and... I can't say I like the production on any of the songs, but I think this one's got the most going for it of those I've heard. And the lyrics are fucking great. I'm not going to make good on my threat to read the entirety of them because I hope we'll be revisiting this. But one line which I picked was, avoid the dismantled, because I just kept thinking, what if it said dismantle the avoided? So yeah, you know, I'm rather fond of this, I've got to say. Some of the lyrics on this one were about people trying to get the Olympic bid for Manchester or cared. It was like, get out of my city, all that kind of stuff. I think he's going going about sort of like, uh, being a bit inappropriate really, you know. But it's just like, it's one of those observation songs from Smith where he's seeing stuff going on in his city. And he's just like, no, you people are fucking evil and you are going to destroy this city. Fucking bang on. Uh, get out of my city, you mediocre sued, and take those red tie bastards. Who put up the Olympic flag with you? They walk around leering at young girls. Impacts worse than Eddie Yobbs. Bureaucracy. You're a fan of bureaucracy, <laughs> Phil Rigby, aren't you? What do you? I've already asked you. Bob, what do you think of this song? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I mentioned before when we were talking about the War Against Intelligence, this uh, Dave Bush era of yeah. the fall, which is so fascinating. I just wonder, this era with the music and the sort of dance club element to what was going on in the band at this time, was this something that was just kind of unavoidable and in the air in Manchester at the time? So he kind of had to include that in the fall in some way, shape, or form? Was he trying for a pop hit of some sort? Or is this just, you know, yeah, just him kind of playing with these tropes and hoping something interesting would come out? 
out of it because it's not like he didn't mess with uh, the dance music world before because he was on the, the first Cold Cut album he was on there and they helped produce part of Extricate. So yeah, this whole dance music period of the fall is, is really fascinating to me in sort of a perverse fashion. Uh, I read something with Tony B. Conti talking about Matt Boland versus David Bowie and Mark Boland would go to his hotel room, close the curtains and he would make the same record over and over again. But Bowie couldn't avoid his influences and I think Smith's like that. What Whatever's happening around the time, it, it just feeds in automatically. But he also kind of like had this soft spot for that Italian disco and house uh, stuff. So if you listen that's to true. that stuff, it's like he's trying to do that, but it sounds like a in charlatan's b-side and it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah i kind of like it but can't avoid c- comparing it to something like Ebenezer is good and it's like it's the same song more or less with bigger drums and a more poppy vocal and a big catchy chorus mm-hmm. smith's lyrics are like a spoken word thing which are brilliant and be i think it'd be actually better just having him read those lyrics so i'm torn but it is up against a piece of shit so it's probably gonna go through <laughs> so have we have we heard everybody now i think we have let's take a vote Hiram which way are you going anecdotes or city dweller this is tough strangely I think I'm going to go city dweller maybe not so strangely <laughs> it's one of those it's a tough choice because they're both awful and deserve to go out <laughs> I can't yeah I don't think you would like it if I just added my own song into that equation. So yeah, I'll go City Dweller. Yeah, you know, these so. lads have tried every every tactic to do things like that, but I'm holding firm against the barbarians. I'm also going with City Dweller. Ezra? City Dweller. Hi. Bob? City Dweller. Sweet. Phil? City Dweller. Alistair? City Dweller as well. Fair enough. And Timothy? Yeah, City Dweller. All right, it is a it is another route. And we are up against the last showdown of the evening, which is Green-Eyed Local Man against Scenario. It's a treat. Give us a bit of Green-Eyed Local Man. Country on the click. Real new fall LP. Sweatshirt out. You have to shave first Every man Where do you stand on? A green arm And a So we heard the emergence of that indie rock sound, then we heard it in full flow, and now we're hearing it, uh, the nuanced version. <laughs> AKA U2's Zootopia. And if you listen to the live versions of Appeal, it's a good rocking, garagey song, just destroyed by turn of the century production, synthy, crunchy Y2K drums. And, and um, I quite like it. I, I'm torn. It's a good pop song, but I do not like it at all. But some nice lyrics in there with a rabbit skull on my right, you might be shocked for your greedy past cold on a plate. Yeah. 
<laughs> and those long cords, no excuse. Uh, have you ever seen that Your Mind Get Loud documentary where the edge, Jimmy Page and Jack White are talking and it's like the edge is like a, like a child with two guitar geniuses. Jimmy Page is like, here's the riff for like Black Dog over and then Jack White plays something and then the edge goes, I've got this pedal and it makes the sound go whoosh. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a lot to uh, thank Brian Eno for, I think. Anyway, that's my take on this song. What does Tim 3 think? Swaggering and expansive and great chorus. Like the rest of the record, it has great sympathetic production that doesn't play by the rules. I love the way the mids are cavernous and then are filled by various things as the song goes on. The bit with the atonal keys and noises in the middle is great. God, he fucking loves that, doesn't he? I do like that breakdown. That is good. That is the best part. Alistair, what do you think of this one? I don't think it's the best one off uh, Country on the Click, but it's all okay. You, you talk about the, the, the Norse's production. It's, it's, it's a bit shitty in that respect, but uh, Country on the Click's good at LP, but it's not the best one on there. No, we've voted everything through off Country on the Click so far. I think like six out of six have gone through, so uh, it is a good record. Phil, what do you make of this? So it was interesting it coming after the previous song because it, it, they sort of bled into each other a little bit for me as I was listening to it. There's been a, a few songs off this album that I, I really enjoyed when it came out and I remember this one liking it when it first came out. I think this was one of the first tunes off this album that I sort of listened to a few times but I must admit the more that I've listened to it this week the weaker it sounded to me and it's it seems to be missing a few ideas I think as it's gone on as, a, as I've listened to it closer. I thought I'd read this but I, I couldn't find any reference to it but whether this was like a, a, a Carlos Castaneda reference of the green-eyed loco man like a sort of psychedelic trip like someone you would meet when you were tripping it, to me it was a bit of a wash over song it, it kind of lost my interest after after repeated listens and I did find myself thinking it was a bit long and it's only 3 minutes 40 maybe I need to put my rhythm in as well maybe you just don't understand repetition Phil absolutely <laughs> one music a, a young man called Bill Shakespeare wrote this Obi-Wan my lord of jealousy it is the green-eyed monster which doth mock the meat it feeds on you'll never get anywhere with keep that. your eye on that, <laughs> that one. Hiram what do you think of this I like this album this is never one that stood out for me for some reason I think it's the production partially I think it's also like the same thing with the Junkies song those fall songs that I really love I like that they have this like trance-like quality to them much like Junkies this one just misses that mark so I, I don't really have much to say actually besides the green eyed loco man like being repeated ad infinitum the lyrics are actually you know pretty good but yeah it just kind of misses the mark for this album I think there's much better moments on this album absolutely yeah Ezra what about this one for you yeah it doesn't quite hit the mark for me I mean to begin with getting back to the well-rung chords these are not well-rung chords for me typically I'm not an enormous fan of that kind of anthemic posturing it just doesn't really seem to hit the mark it, it's got some goodness to it. I think on the live version it sounded like he rhymed Coco Van with Green-Eyed Man, uh, <laughs> which is a stroke of genius if he did. Yeah, the, 
the, the, that thing at 1.30, which I described as an anti-bridge opening a wormhole, that bit's good, but it doesn't really make the song. Fair enough. Uh, Bob, what about yourself? Uh, I love the, the, the concept of the anti-bridge in that song, because that's one of my favorite parts of that song as well. It's such a weird way to start that album, which is, for the most part, one of the better records from that period. I, I want to know more about the co-writer of that song, Jim Watts, who I think was responsible for a lot of the sound of this record, and Are You Missing Winner? A lot of the electronic end of that stuff, which was fairly interesting for the time, and I think even more interesting than you know Dave Bush's influence on that stuff. So yeah, I'm, I, I like this one. Like as I said, it's a strange way to start the record. I'll tip my hand a little early, letting you know that this will be my vote. Yeah, fair enough. I don't think anybody will will be questioning that decision, <laughs> but we'll get to that soon. I think the album really benefited from the furore of the leak, and then Smith deciding to go back and remix it and do some really interesting and strange things but it's also a good solid set of songs i think that's everyone on this one so let's have a listen to the highlights of the evening which is scenario from reformation post tlc what can you say Brendan? what can you say i kind of hold my tongue until it's my turn we're all strapped in and ready to go Pals of my childhood days Pals of my childhood days You taught me in worldly ways I was a baby Me, everything for me I stole the gold from your hand We put the shaven threads there I don't know any way to repay my pal of my childhood or find my pals of my childhood days It doesn't get me high, it only makes me cry for the one who bought me the November day puppy on TV hurts you as much as it hurts me Phil so I think what we learned is that one American in the band is great two maybe any more than that it's not it, it doesn't work maybe that's not fair I don't know let's see oh that's fair um, uh, Hiram what do you make of scenario uh, so as I was I was looking this up earlier today and apparently the song is based off of a song by United States of America strangely enough the band not the actual country um, and two I recognized the Captain Beefheart lyrics immediately. So I was like, oh, but they somehow don't. Those two great things by two bands, people I love, don't add up to much when it's on post-TLC Reformation structure. So that's kind of how I feel about it. It made me want to go listen to Captain Beefheart while I was doing stuff around it. Or even or even United States of America, but mainly Beefheart. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did the same thing. I just went straight and listened to that uh, Veterans Day poppy and uh, just cried that I had to listen to scenario several more times um there's another song on the album that is even more like is literally that uh, united states of america song yeah over over i think the first song is is more or less a cover of it so. that's that's an album i still haven't listened to much so i was i was glad that i got to listen to something off of it it was just sad that it was this so kind of 
kind of, you know, maybe I'll pass it up some more. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Insult um, <laughs> song is funny. I'll give you that. Maybe coaching horses, but um, it's not got okay. a lot of love so far on the on the on the pod. Yeah, Bob, what do you make of this? Yeah, wow. Um, I, I'm with both of y'all about you know wanting to just listen to that Captain Beefheart song more than this one. I, I, yeah. This was a, such an odd era of the band and I think it, they hadn't yet... Uh, I think Peter Greenaway was kind of involved with this record, but not as much as he was post this album. And this had, I think, the influence of Tim Presley in here a little too much. I've never been a big fan of his work outside of the fall. And so, yeah, I can hear the, the little bits of his influence really kind of pushing, as you were saying, the fall in sort of a more lazy indie rock direction, which just did not work. Yeah, he does some stuff with Kate Le Bon and the name drinks which is really good but other oh than that, that is good yes yeah, yeah. I, other than that i haven't heard much of his stuff but also i got to give him a bit of the benefit yeah they stepped in at the last minute and smith true. forced true. him to jam some shit out in, <laughs> in like an hour or so fair, fair. whatever not too much it is it is not a good uh, album phil come on give it to us so you know, ages ago when you said about doing this project, I knew at some point we would hit bottom. And I also knew it would be off this album <laughs> when that bottom was hit. And I think we have just hit the bottom of the barrel now with the fall. This is, this is as bad as it gets. It's just awful jamming that doesn't work. It's the, the two bothered about colouring within the lines rather than doing anything interesting. The ideas were just not flowing at all on this album. There's a couple of tracks that, that surprised me how much they actually pull it out of the fire in terms of being able to come up with something good, but this is certainly not one of them. There's no redeeming features really with it for me. It's a shame because there's loads of energy going into it. I think the actual performance from the musicians, there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's just there's nothing good that's that's coming out of it. It's it just sounds like a jam that you would end up on a tape and would probably record over with the next jam because there's, there's no gold in them there, Hills. There's no gold. Pals of my childhood days. Ezra, what of those pals? You know, my first reaction to this song was was that I was poisoned against it because they took the lyrics from uh, Veterans Day Poppy, which is a high point on an album of unsurpassable excellence. I did get a certain degree of joy from this track just because just because of the vocals, actually, you know, it's, it's he's got that great kind of maudlin approach, semi-angry, entirely shit-faced and a bit sad. And I could imagine, you know, if a video was done for this, you know, you'd have Marky e. Smith stood outside a tunnel or maybe by the Ribblehead Viaduct looking over a landscape with a solitary tear eked out and dribbling down his cheek. And that made me chuckle. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's as terrible as you like to make out. Only there was a word for taking pleasure in someone else's pain. <laughs> Alistair. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it just sounds a bit slammed together. The veterans day poppy thing, you can't get over. But he goes on about watching TV, so it makes me think that he's been watching the Remembrance Day thing that they show on BBC TV. It's not that exciting, but it's okay. It sounds jammed out, and as I mentioned before, there's a difference between good jamming and bad jamming, and it sounds uninspired. When you say he was watching it, I imagine they phoned him while it was on telly, and he sung this in one take down the phone. The funny thing is that he calls it the November Day Poppy rather than Veterans Day. So he does, you know, help us Englishmen out. Can our American cousins explain to me what a cherry phosphate is? It's, 
It's like I think it's like an early version of just like a like a soda. Like they would make yeah, that's they, what it they is. would use ph- phosphate to to fizz soda and basically pour cherry syrup in. It's like cherry soda, basically. Yeah, okay. exactly. Cherry Coke without the Coke. Without the yeah. Coke. <laughs> if nothing else, this song has brought these two divided nations together. <laughs> so the other good thing about cherry phosphate is basically you would go into like a drugstore and they would have a you know a, a little row of bar stools and you would get there and they would make the cherry phosphate for you while you were there because they would have the cherry syrup and then they would have the phosphate which would be the fizzy water drink and then they would mix it up together and then you'd drink it while you were there and they're amazing magical i used to have a cherry limeade myself when i was a kid a lot at the little uh drugstore we had so a crazy syrup water sugar drink hot dog you've answered a question that has been like well not bothering me but i've been wondering about what a cherry phosphate is since I was about 19 and I'm 47 now so there you go sleep easy tonight Alistair sleep easy yeah 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 reflect as much (laughs) on your research skills and uh, patience as anything else (laughs) someday someday I'll talk to an American fall fan and they're gonna settle this for me (laughs) no good 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 well I think we haven't heard from Tim yet but go on You're a tired lad now, aren't you? It's thrown you for a, a googly doing this one, wasn't it? This week? A marathon? Right. A sprinter? He's in a funny mood, Tim. He's in a funny mood. I, I, I'll, I'm laughing because I, this is the only one that I pre-read before uh, before he asked me because I wanted to know what he said. This has been getting a lot of stick in the group chat this week, but the more I listen to it, the more I will put it towards the top of the pile when it comes to tracks this album. <laughs> I think if the pretty, he's just winding you up now, isn't he? That's, he is. He is. I, There's a reason I why he's not allowed on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think if the production was a bit more energetic and Mark had a few more takes of the vocal, a little less shockingly style delivery, some of the more interesting and beautifully guttural sounds he made in the later days, this would be a winner. Some of the lyrics are a bit Penguin Book of Rhyme, though. I definitely think there's something there. So if they just changed the lyrics, the vocals, the music, it would be better song, the energy. But it's great. All right. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. All right, let's take a vote. Phil, which way are you going? What is it, scenario or green eye? Surprise anybody. Okay, Hiram. You know, I'm gonna go ahead and play devil's advocate and just go with uh, the the second one because of the uh, Captain Beefheart thievery, and it reminded me how much I love Captain Beefheart today. So there you go. Nice. Uh, I'm <laughs> That's why I vote. He doesn't vote for covers. Uh, I'm going for scenario also. <laughs> Uh, what about Tim? Uh, oh, single person. I've seen that with Um He's put, oh no, Green Eye Lock of Free. Uh, Alistair. Yeah, I'll go with uh, Kiki Conspiracy. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, in the absence of that one, I'll go with Green Eye Lock of Nice. Good, good. Ezra? I'm going to go with Scenario because I like to think of people crying. Oh, la la. <laughs> um, so, Bob? All the pressure's on you. Oh, don't you know I'm loco? <laughs> all right, living that la vida loco, as we all should. Um, well, that rounds it up. So what do we have? We had Green-Eyed Local Man, City Dweller, Dr. Faustus, and John Keyes. 
I believe, went through. Thank you very much, chaps. It was a bit of a marathon, but I really appreciate you dropping by. Oh, thank you for having Bob and I, or at least yeah. me. I don't know about Bob. I can't speak for Bob. But yeah, it was great. And also, Still. thanks for not making us get up at 7 a.m. and uh, you getting up at 7 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's like one o'clock in the morning over in the UK at the moment. Yes, <laughs> appreciate you chaps staying out of the late and, and getting up early. And uh, thanks, everyone. But hopefully, if you up for it we can ask you back in round two in a year or three's time and, uh, oh yeah yeah definitely anytime I'll be ready be great to be back on here Living in if a you have any more burning questions Alistair alright uh, right, parting questions do you know what a Jaffa cake is yes the what a cake or is it a biscuit those are biscuits aren't they a oh, Jaffa cake did I get it right <laughs> what did I win there's this legal judgments on this stuff well so thanks very much chaps uh, it's great to live in a world with three fall podcasts and it is crazy we'll make it up to that uh, second or first place one day maybe but um, (laughs) keep leading the pack chaps and uh, appreciate it thank you cheers fellas yeah thank you take care yeah take it easy yeah